Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. My guest today is Nathan Olomu. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you so much. It is an honor to have Nathan as my guest today. Besides the eight-hour time difference between us, he is extremely busy in his work as a church planter and a pastor, a prison chaplain, the leader of men's discipleship groups, the director of the orphan home and school he helped construct in Kenya, East Africa. He and I met through our mutual friend Dave Arden and the Chosen to Speak organization, Nathan is a spokesperson for Chosen to Speak Africa and is in the process of translating the training materials into his native Maasai language. He actually speaks three languages. Nathan holds two degrees, one in business, the other in biblical studies through Mato International. He is married to Florence and he has three children. Nathan, I see you as an innovative, resourceful, dedicated, passionate, and compassionate man. How do you see yourself? Well, I see myself uh, as a young man. I'm a faithful gospel preacher. And I'm also a master servant. Ways up like uh, like what the Lord Jesus really wanted from me, that uh, we always need to grow to be faithful and become servants, not really being a, uh, just like a master to be able to stand for people, but again, to be a servant. You lead by example. But again, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher and a mentor and a priority. I love that you chose to be a servant. We know from scripture that God exalts the lowly. And so when you humble yourself, that gives room for God to work. And he has made you a leader of many things because you were willing to serve. That's one important characteristic that you have. How is that formed in you? Have you, have you always been that way? Or is that something you learned along the way? Well, many of the environment I grew up, where people people were going to church, although they were not really Christians as that, but they were they were going to church and mentioned the name of God. And so the traits were developed for me when I became a Christian and getting faith in God by reading God's word, becoming obedient to the faith. And I started learning that I need to be hardworking. I need to love people. I need to love God. And also I need to be very humble. And also need to be obedient to the faith obedient to God's teaching, to the commands that are required. But again, also the part of integrity, as a leader, as a servant, you need to be having a high standard of integrity to be able to mend other people and to bring people to Christ and let people learn from example. You know, we are told we are the light and the soul of the world. And we need to show that so that people can be can be able to see the Lord in us and be, the Lord will glorify but again, there's an aspect of half honesty and faithfulness. So being a servant, uh, these things uh, I learned as I grew up slowly. I grew up in a community where people will worship other gods. And I realized it's important for me to become faithful and to worship the only almighty God who made everything. And also learning that in faith, we need to stand firm. As we are told that uh, remain faithful unto death and you'll get the, the, the crown of life. 
you are a good student of God's word. You've been quoting it our entire conversation. Was was there someone who modeled that for you? Or was that something that you discovered as a part of uh, becoming a good student of the word? Well, this is something that uh, I learned along the way because where I grew, my father and my mother, they were not educated. And people from our area were not educated. And so basically from our family, I am actually one of the most educated guys because I, I am lucky and I'm blessed. Because when, after high school, God provided an opportunity for me to go to the university for a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. It provided the opportunity for me to go for uh, a bachelor's degree in business management. And so this, as I went along the way, I learned that there's a great importance for me to study God's word and let the word dwell in me. And so that I can remain faithful, remain focused, you know, to become sealers in the word and do us also do us of the word. So as I grew, you know, our parents really they had that that desire that they desire to do what's right and to, to live according to the word, but they did not know how to do it. And so it was our responsibility as children to stay with them. They asked us, what, which book is this? What does this first say? And so you took that opportunity and you knew there is a great importance for us to dwell in the word. Well, you were blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Um, that is not typical of people in Kenya. Um, are you used to being different uh, than uh, the people around you, or, or is that something you enjoy? Well, sometimes it is really difficult because, see, where the perspective of the people here, they are pagans. Now, and not pagans as per se, some really believe in idols. Some worship uh, the traditional sorcerers and magicians. That's the culture, that, that's how the, our community was formed. And so when you grow up and you start creating your own path at the biblical point of view, and you are going to the right of the, the path of the Bible, a lot of people will look at you and think like you are lost. You are taking a westernized religion where people don't even know if it really exists or there is any power behind it. So people, you know, there were those times when people would want to go for festivals and they would go to a place called the Libons, they take hours and give sacrifices and then they worship, there's a person they worship who really works with some magics or some stones to to foretell the future people and tells what the problems has been. So for me, a lot of people leave me alone and they look at me like an outsider, someone who has adopted a new religion altogether or something that does not exist among them. And so it is not really that pleasant, but again, it gives us hope because I and some other Christians and Christian men remain to be faithful and focused and we stand firm even during those trying moments when people run up and down. And you realize that every five years, we have a terrible situation here if it just will go to that, those regions. Then, and so you just pray that the one day they will really learn that there is power in God. God is the overall supreme being because he created us, created everything, and he does not want us to worship any created being. Thank you. And I uh, so appreciate your faithfulness in the midst of persecution. Would you say that you have felt persecuted as a Christian in your community? Yeah, I have been persecuted there in several occasions. Uh, one of the occasions that I can give from your age, and they want to participate in a ritual that, that, that involves some traditional ways of the ritual things, and then you refuse to participate in that. 
again, they, sometimes they request that they give some resources to be taken to a witch doctor somewhere. And then I say, no, I'm not part of that. So they look at you and they think like, you are not part of us. We, we are going to curse you. We are going to be away from you. And you will never, we will never give you any help from us if you need it. And so sometimes those kind of threats comes along. And also sometimes even your parents will try to push you or the community because we agree in a community where people are polygamous by nature. And people think like, uh, you need to have married more than one wife. And so they try to push you to that wall and say no. When you say no, they look like you like, mm, this guy is not normal or something like that. And so sometimes they persecute us to that extent, but I'm glad they don't, they don't really kill us. Maybe they will try to bewitch. They will try to mention us or give us names or even fight us because I have seen others fighting me in the pulpit. Like uh, some young men will come to church and then they stay in church only to realize they were not really after God's word. They wanted to split the church to make sure it is destroyed completely and you have to get back to us in the world. You know, you know what, what Paul mentions to the church in Corinth that uh, you bring the culture of the, the Corinthian people to, to, the, to the church and now you don't differentiate between the Corinthian community and the Corinthian church. And I believe that's what some of the people wanted to do here. They wanted us to behave like we are equal. People who are Christians and those that are non-believers, they just mingle together and there's no difference. So I say no. So despite the fact that you are unique in your community, you've had a wonderful way of building community. You've planted churches, uh, you are leading groups, and you've maintained very strong connections, not only to uh, believers that you met in your biblical studies, but Christians around the world like me. Uh, Why was that important to you and how did you accomplish that? Well, you know, when I grew up, I saw that the, the community was really disparate. And that's why they ran to witch doctors or worship other, uh, other things that are not God. Because of the disparation that is inside them, they really needed hope. They needed to have peace. But now they were sellers for a wrong way. And so we, when, I, when I became a Christian, I tried to show them, to point them that Christ is the only hope. And this is the way, this is the word. So you show them that they need to be obedient to the faith. They need to come for worship every day, as we are told in the book of Hebrews. They need to, be, to participate in the Christian fellowships and prayers. And so when we took that responsibility, when I took that responsibility, some became, became obedient to the faith. And we saw God blessing our land. For example, some of us, we, we were blessed, like uh, drilling boreholes. God provided resources to be able to sink water wells in communities that were in disparate need, where people were dying of taking that water, where people were dying because of dust. And so that that became a blessing. In fact, we drilled five boreholes that are still operational up to time, or up to this time, and they are serving the communities, they are serving the churches, and we are so thankful. But again, we serve this community by us training men. We train them uh, the importance of them becoming obedient to the faith, them taking the mantle of leadership, the spiritual part of it in their families, being able to lead them to the godly way. But again, also to be able to reach other people with the gospel, bringing them to Christ, and also having the faith, and also having the courage to stand firm, even despite the challenges, the destruction that comes along the way. And also, you know, Part of it uh, uh, that we also did to to bring 
uh, solution to this community is, you know, we have, uh, we, we had a tribal war several years ago, and lots of men died and children were left. And so we had to, we had a huge number of orphan children. But again, there are diseases that also arose among the people like malaria. We have diseases like HIV and AIDS, and that affected the community so much. And so I took the responsibility to say, hey, we need to do something about these orphan children. And that's why we constructed a home. We brought them into our program, and we built a school where the orphan children that are, so, so those are some of our community to become uh, to become enlightened and also to realize that God is working us. And we thank God so much for providing for us and for allowing us to become the picture that he wants us to be. But the part of our connection with other Christians, I believe it's only God who makes up the connections. Like uh, when we were in the Bible college, you will find some teachers, some students, we still maintain some relationships, others will drop. Uh, Basically, like, uh, if you go to a biblical school, you realize not everybody is called. And some people will come along your way that are not destined to be with you. And so you there's some that came, some left, and some stayed. And those who stayed are the people that you have the same principles. You you hold the same standard of the faith. And these are people that believe the same thing as you do. And so we, I'm glad that God's bringing people to my life that are really important. People who will encourage you that you need to focus on God. And they are not really going on a physical part of it. Because you see, there are sometimes when you see someone coming on a physical part, someone shows his strength and might, and he forgets that there is a God up there in heaven who is able to give us the strength that we need and the ability to push ahead. Well, I love how you have built a community and you've spoken already to uh, the men's groups that you're leading and also the orphanage you built. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, I want to hear more ways that you're making a difference right where you are. And listeners, we'll be back in just a moment with our guest today, Nathan Olomo. Thank you for bearing with us on this sometimes hard to hear episode. Please remember that Nathan is on the other side of the world using a cell phone and a shaky internet connection to bring you this important story. It's a story I've been wanting to share with you for quite some time. Nathan was kind enough to give us specific ways to help him and his organization. It takes $35 per child per month to feed, clothe, educate, and provide health care services for the 43 orphans in the program. When you visit our site, you'll see pictures of their beautiful faces. Can you help one child today with a gift of $35? They also have a need for a reliable vehicle to carry food and supplies from the markets to the orphanage, to transport children to the hospital when necessary, and to help Nathan get from town to town to visit the church plants and help with ministry needs in his leadership groups. A vehicle would cost about $15,000. Nathan also mentioned a property where they can build tiny houses that they could rent out to generate income that would change everything. It would support all the other projects Nathan is involved in, and this would make his operation self-sustaining. The property is about $10,000 and could hold 40 houses that could be built for about $40 each and would be a renewable source of income as he rents them out each month. Could you help contribute to the purchase of this property or sponsor a tiny house? 
If you would like to help, you can find more information on our website, where we have links to Nathan's personal email, cell phone through WhatsApp or Facebook. We will also have a link in our show notes, transcripts, website, and social media platforms that will take you directly to a partner ministry, chosen to speak, that is helping get money to Nathan to meet his immediate and long-term needs. You can find us at nis.media or Now I See Pod. As always, we love spending time with you. So hang out on our site, snoop around, click the tabs, kick the tires, and see all the things that we have to offer you. And if you like what you see, invite your friends to join our Now I See newsletter, Bible study, and discussion groups. Last week, we featured Charles Kelly, founder and president of Bridge Builders International. We posted his fabulous My Riga walking tour videos on our Facebook page this week. You can also find them on YouTube. You don't want to miss them or the opportunity to support the projects at Eagle's Wing Camp, Imaginations, or the vital work among the Ukrainian refugees. For more information about that, visit our site and follow the links. Coming up next week, another conversation with friends from the Far East. It's like a summer tour for you and for me. But for now, back to our show with community leader Nathan Oluomo. We are back from our break with Nathan Olomu. Nathan, when we left off, you were telling us about how you've been faithful to God's call and how you've been building community, how you've done that through leading men's groups and also building an orphan school and home. Can you tell us uh, about those things? Were those things you always wanted to do? Or did you just see the need around you and you stepped up to it? Or do you think God made you specifically for this moment to do these things? Yeah, I would say uh, I had a vision. You know, when I was growing as a young man, when I was a young boy, I had a vision. And uh, to be honest, I will even go along the way because we are people who had uh, do the hunting. You know, what do we mean by that? Talking, going around and taking care of animals in the forest. And sometimes when the stories of people like Moses were told, the stories of uh, people like Abraham, Joshua, you mentioned the guys like Daniel and all the great guys in the Bible. And you know, to us, it, we, we were children. And when our parents discussed that at home, you know, when you were going around doing your own things as a, boy, as a young boy in the forest, looking at your cows and goats, you, you tend to think and you think like, what is this? So wait a minute, you kneel down and you pray and you ask that God, God, it appears you are there. Will you come and help me? And so God gave me a vision. When he gave me a vision, I trusted that. And so I followed that straight to the point. So when I grew up, I took the leadership with Mandel when I was around 12 years as a, a vice chair to the church and even a youth chairman. We, we were in a Christian church that was huge. We had around 100, 120 youth. So you, you, you stepped that position and you started even taking the role as an assistant pastor after two years and you know people will move from one area to another in search of water and so i took the leadership to start speaking you know you say stepping in the pulpit to preach and taking care of uh, the lord's church but after 2012 i said no there's a community somewhere else 
that do not have a place to worship. They are far. They have never heard the gospel. And so I went there and I believed God and people will ask me like, we have tried that area. It doesn't work. We have tried to reach those people. They don't believe. And I said, well, if it is God, he's going to do it. And normally my mother will tell me, Nathan, you see what you are doing. Do you think you are going to succeed? Or you are going. You are going to be. You are going to cause yourself a lot of problems, because what's going to happen to the church? And I said, it is none of my business. This is God's business. I am just a vessel, and I believed God for the same. I went there, established the church. We worshipped under the trees. There was a huge problem of water. The one day. This rich guy who came, he came around to the church and we had the worship under the trees. After the worship, I just took him and pointed like, you need to drill here a bowl. Just drill here a bowl. He told me, Nathan, how do you tell me just drill without even uh, asking me if I had? I said, well, I'm not telling you to give. I'm telling you to drill. Then the guy just sat down and said, well, how much is that? So he went ahead and brought the reach and drew, drill, the, drew the drilling for the church. After a few months, he brought again in uh, uh, buildings, material, and he dusted, did the building. And right now, we have a very nice place of worship as a church. So basically, these things, I don't do. Yeah, I, I, I don't just take an opportunity that has come, but I have a vision. I, I'm very clear in my mind. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to this community? I sit down. I pray. God, there is there, there is a problem that I'm seeing here. What's the solution? And what God approves, we'll go for that. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing how yeah. God is using you. These problems that you're facing are so big. There are so many orphans in your area, um, especially, as you mentioned, following the war. How did you know that you could even help one of them? How did, where did you begin to solve such a big problem? See, like uh, when I was in the Bible, college or the university taking my bachelor's degree in biblical studies, I sat down and thought like, I need to start an NGO. But I said, what am I going to focus? I said, I need to focus on church issues. I need to use this as a tool to reach to the community. I need to use this as a tool to help the orphan children to meet the needs that the people have there in the ground. But now, how do you, now, but the way to go it is now become the question. So I, I established a small foundation called Osiligo issue, meaning living hope. And I went ahead and took and rolled some orphan children that were in this very need. I will walk for four miles to teach in a secondary school, what they call the Christian religious education. So I, they gave me that opportunity. So I'll walk and even my shoes who are torn when they when they sold. But I, I never really cared because what I know, I knew is uh, I wanted to teach when they pay me because they will pay me ninety dollars a month, I will take care. I will take that money and put it to the orphans. And so these orphan children will get the uniform. So I will go do the working after they pay me. I took that money, buy the clothes, take another month, buy them food, until a time came when I said I need to bring these children together because some of them were in a very bad shape. You know, someone do not have a father a mother or no relative. And they just stay like that and you think like in the next few days, they're going to be dead. So I decided like, I'm going to construct a home. And my father gave gave us uh, five acres of uh, land. And uh, I went around to the friends, you know, just posting or talking to people and people gave me some money. And I constructed the home and then I put some beds 
but now the challenge now came in after taking the children into the home. Nobody really knows where you are going to get the daily needs like food, clothing, education, and medication. And so that, that became a big thing. And so everybody, you know, some people just help you once and they, they disappear, they're off. And so you think like, what am I going to do? And so after that, I approached some friends, Dev included. And so Dev, like for example, gave, and then another family decided to give this amount of money. And then I take care of uh, the children out of that. Although it is not enough, but still in between the month, you still talk to other people and God will bring someone. Someone will come in and say like, I give $5,000 once, one-time donation and the guy disappeared. But after giving the 5000 that pushes a long way. Another guy comes next time saying, I'm going to give $1,000, one-time donation, and they disappear. But now we are thankful, and God proved himself that he's able to work even in situations that we don't understand. That's why he can send someone to bring $1,000 and then go. And so that's how we have been operating. After this time, it's just because of faith. Nobody knows how we operate. Only God can tell. But now after that, uh, I also went to, to this side of... Uh, the drilling, because there was a huge problem of water and people get uh, diseases because of drinking the bad water. And there's no hospital nearby. And so I say, no, this is bad. We need to drill bowls. So I'm glad we were able to five bowls that are still operational. They are serving the churches, they're serving the communities, and people are coming to crisis as a result of that. But now, going back to the issue of the orphans, you know, there's something that is very serious about it. This is a program that up to this time, I am praying to God that uh, what do you want to continue doing with this? Because if you take the children and they stay there for some time, other orphans will develop in the community. And eventually, they will also need your help. How are you going to take care of this? And I said, God, what I'm going to gonna be doing is I'm praying you help me out this. Show me the right thing to do. But now coming, coming to, to, the, to the man uh, coaching, it always started uh, with Dev in 2020. I was uh, I was teaching just the men initially, even before that, about them going to preach, showing them how you preach, how you prepare someone, how you lead, and then how to remain faithful and focused. But when we met with Dev, Brother Dev helped me a lot. He trained me on his book. He showed me the steps of Moses, how to get courage, and even how to be confident in our, in our talking. And then from there, I also brought in the men and asked them, like, uh, we need to meet and study. So I took them from step to step. Some of them are almost now completing their coaching. But always, these are pastors, others are church, church elders, and others are just Christian men within the church and some women. And so up this time, we still meet and we try to do once in a month. Because some people here are just very busy and... Uh, life is difficult generally and they don't have things like uh, zoom so they have to come on a physical meeting so you call like you're going to have a meeting on this day and so everybody shows up that day and you try those are that are far you try to have them get like a, you, you call it like a means of transport if they don't have it you have to look for a way for them to come but again also while they are staying there for the study you need to give them uh food so that's what i'm i'm doing right now and so I'm so glad. So you're telling us some of the specific things that you need in order to make ministry happen there. I'm hearing you say water wells, food, 
clothing, medicine, education for the orphans, transportation and food needs for the men who are coming to your groups. Are there other ways? Are there other things that you need? And how can you, um, how can people help you meet these needs? Well, uh, for the part of uh, the help that we require, one, we require the prayers. Now prayer will require it for our faith to continue growing. We require faith, uh, prayer for faith, ministry, orphans, the prison ministry, the church, and also for the leadership so that we continue reaching more people and also these men will also become faithful as we are told in the book of uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 2, that whatever you hear from me and trust to other faithful men will also be able to teach other men, meaning that we, we teach men who teach others. And so that, that's the prayer we need. But I want to come to resources. We need uh, food for the orphans, clothing, medication, and also some help that go to education. But again, uh, for the sake of the orphanage, the prison ministry, the church, and also for the coaching, we will need some help that goes to the means of transport meaning you have to get up from here and go to another village to teach the people and we need the, the means that you can because some of these distances are really long so when you get the means of transport that will help you to make the work easy and be able to reach a number of people very easily but now uh, something else that uh, that is very important that i needed to mention is uh we so thinking of us getting support, the entire work, the resources that is required for, for the trainings, for the church, and for the prison ministry. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, doing a rental facility, like uh, buy a plot in a town, and then do a rental. Now, this rental build like uh, get 28 cubits, cubes, cubes, meaning small houses, and then you charge them at $40 that means you are probably able to gonna be getting $1,600 uh, $1, a month. Now that will be able to supplement or even take care of the entire ministry without burdening other people or being worried like what's going to happen to our, our donor. And so those are some of the specific needs that we have. Now, if and if anyone wants to contact us, they can contact you or they can contact us directly for a discussion or a further discussion on the same. Very good. We will have that information for you in our show notes and on our website. As we close out our show today in the few minutes we have left, Nathan, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Well, what people I really, what I want people to see is, a, you know, this is a relationship that has been built over that time. And through the coaching process that we have been going through and basically it is very encouraging because we have learned a number of things concerning faith and learning a number of things concerning god and how god has served his people or grew his people from one situation to another and we will talk to everybody who hears us or or beg them that at least they also take their time to go into a coaching class be able to they, they, they pray that they will be willing also to take part in the coaching process, being able to attend the class, study with people, see how God has been taking his people from one city to another. 
and how difficult situations God have revealed himself to the children of Israel. That we, and we believe that even today, he is able to bring us out of our difficult situations. People might be going undergoing a lot of problems. People might be sick. People might be having family issues. But the way God has brought Moses and proven that he's able to solve those problems and take care of his people, even in those very, very hard and challenging moments, still, he's still able to take care of our problems today. So I pray that they will learn, they will be able to teach other people, and even be willing to part to come to this part of the world to be missionaries, to serve the communities, and even taking part of uh, blessing God's creations. That sounds like an invitation to me, Nathan. I'm going to have to take you up on that at some point. It has been so much fun talking to you today. It's been an honor and a privilege to know you and to be able to share your story. Uh, We're going to get more specific information from you about how people can help and where they can give. Um, And I look forward to having more conversations with you again soon. Thank you, friends. And thanks, listeners. We'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.